This is the Making Waves podcast with Ripple Effect. My name's Dave Rotmund. I'm here with Nathan Shackleford of the First Liberty Institute. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Tell us about First Liberty. What do you do? Yeah, so First Liberty is the largest legal nonprofit in the country uh, that's sole focus is on restoring and defending religious liberty in the United States. So we have cases all the way from uh, people in school to military, churches, or profits, anytime people that come under, a fa- under attack for their faith. Uh, we come in and, and represent those people for free who normally couldn't represent themselves and wouldn't have the financial resources to do so. so. There are other groups that have similar goals, similar pursuits. How does your organization differ? Yeah, I, I would say there are some groups that do things that are similar. A um, couple ways that we're different. Um, number one is we're just focused on the First Amendment, Religious Freedom Clause, the Constitution. Um, so it's going to make sure we're just United States focused and we're just focused on religious freedom. We don't go outside of that scope like some other groups might. Uh, and then one of the biggest differentiators is our model. Uh, so most groups that do legal nonprofit work, no matter what side they're on, um, their model is the same as just to, to raise as much money as they can, to hire as many attorneys as they can. And then if they have a case in Florida, you got to send the attorney out to Florida to do the case, come back. Uh, I mean, fighting big uphill battles against government, big companies. So generally win rate for a group like that is 30 to 40% a year. Um, we've been doing uh, it a little bit differently. Um, we use a model that really relies on what we, like to, what we like to call the body of Christ model, which is knowing that lots of good lawyers went to law school to make a difference for their faith. And now it might be one of the biggest law firms in the country. And uh, if we have a case in Florida, we're going to try to find an attorney in Florida at a big firm and say, hey, if we give you our understanding our expertise, take care of the clients, take care of the media, will you donate your time? And so instead of uh, sending an attorney in, we're using the boots on the ground, we're playing a home game. Um, that attorney might know the judge, they're going to be known in the area. And uh, what we found from that is that it's very cost efficient. So for every thousand we spend on a case, we get 5,000 donated back from the volunteer attorney. And then the other side, uh, win rate, we've been doing this model for over 25 years and we've never had a win rate under 90% in a year. So uh, we could try to claim that's all us, but we know that's God's favor. And so uh, that's a big way we're different is our model on how we do things. That sounds very efficient, more efficient than what other people do. Yeah, that's actually how uh, corporate America does it. So if Ford Motor Companies get sued in Dallas, they're not sending their in-house counsel to Dallas to handle the case. They're going to hire one of the biggest firms in Dallas, and they're going to use their in-house as kind of the the point of reference for the case. And so kind of are just using the way that corporate America does it, just just using you know, kind of the free side of that. Uh, you have two cases in the Supreme Court last year. Could you tell us a little bit about them? Yeah, so we had two cases. Um, the two cases we had um, were, uh, were was one case that we had that was out of uh, Maine. It was about uh, school choice. Um, so basically Maine is so rural that over half people in the school district, uh, the schools don't have a public school in their district. And so what they did is uh, they decided to uh, basically put in a law that said, okay, well, if you don't have a public school in your school district, you can uh, use government funding to go to any school you want, can cross state lines, it can be private, public, all boys, all girls. Uh, and then about 20 years ago, they decided to add in a provision and said, but it can't be religiously affiliated. Uh, so our claim was that, well, by denying these schools that are religiously affiliated from a government program, all you're doing is discriminating against religion uh, because this isn't the government telling the money where to go. It's the, it's the parents choosing where to send their kids. And the only difference here is one's religiously affiliated, one's not. Uh, Supreme Court agreed with us 
said that they they agreed with us. And so one way that's big moving forward is anytime there's a school choice um, type of law in a state, now you're not going to be able to exclude religious institutions or make them try to conform to certain standards. So this is going to really protect um, schools and religious schools and school choice movements moving forward. Another big thing, though, is that that what that case boiled down to was government funding. So a lot of uh, all, a lot of this program was based on government funding. And so there's also other government funding programs like homeless ministries and uh, other things that help the needy. And so there's a lot of nonprofits that haven't been able to pri- apply for government funding because of their religious affiliation. But court said, hey, moving forward, we want to make sure that this applies to other government grants and not just schooling. So this is big for any nonprofit or anyone who wants to take care of, take take use of government funding for religiously affiliated purposes. And the second case we had, which a lot of people are more familiar with, is the Coach Kennedy case. Uh, which was a coach up in Riverton, Washington, that was fired for praying uh, after games. So, a little backstory on Coach Kennedy was he grew up uh, uh, in the foster system, never really had a father figure, and uh, decided to go and serve uh, in the Marines and did that, kind of got his life together, and then came back home, met his wife, uh, grew more in his faith, and then uh, one day was out of the run and the athletic director of the school saw him running and said, hey, do you have any interest in being a volunteer football coach? He said, you know, I've never really thought about it, never played football, don't know anything about football, but sure, I'll give it a shot. So he uh, he he went home and uh, was thinking about it, praying about it, and turned on the TV what was on facing the Giants. And so he th- thought, okay, this is my sign. Uh, this is what I need to do. God's calling me to do this. And then middle of the movie uh the coach takes a knee on the 50 and does a prayer and he says uh coach kennedy said um you know i'm gonna i'm gonna mock that uh same thing i'm gonna do the exact same thing i'm gonna, I'm gonna mimic that um and so he uh went into the schools and his school and started doing that had no issues um years and years after doing that one of the opposing schools uh coaches came up to the superintendent and said i love that you let your coach do that uh and the superintendent said, well, we didn't know he was doing that. So they told me I had to stop. And he told him, hey, I can. It's, you know, I made a covenant with God. I have to continue doing this. And um, uh, going into his last game, he he uh, waits till his students are doing the fight song, goes over the 50, takes a knee, and uh, goes hands all over his shoulder. And he goes, oh, no, it's it's my kids. They've stopped the fight song. They've come over to me. But that's not what it was. It's the opposing team. The opposing team rallied around him. Uh, and was praying with him because they knew the importance of, of what he was doing in that game. So if you see pictures of that, that's what that is. Um, we're all the way to Supreme Court, and Supreme Court set 6-3 that uh, Coach Kenny was in the right to do so uh, because this was after the game was over. Um, people, the coaches were free to go meet with their spouses. They were on their cell phones texting. Um, so this is free time. So if you're a government employee or a coach or a teacher, if you're on your own personal time, it doesn't matter if people can see you expressing your faith, you still have the right to express your faith. Uh, so that's big because it's the first case we've ever had on what do coaches, teachers, people have to do in the public school system? Do they have to suddenly hide their faith? Can they be? Can there be visible signs that they have a faith? Uh, so it was big for that reason, but it was also big because it got rid of a really bad decision that happened about 60 years ago called Lemon. And Lemon was a case that basically created all kinds of loopholes, exceptions, for knocking down religious freedom and looking at it really hostily. And uh, there was a case we had a few years ago called the Bladensburg Cross case that dealt with a uh, similar type issue of, go- of uh, hostility towards religion, of 
there was a monument, War One monument on government on land that got taken over by eminent domain, and uh, atheist society wanted to be taken down. And the court in that case said, "Hey, why why are we here? The only reason we're here is because of this limit decision. We're choosing not to follow it today." And in the Kennedy case, they decide to revisit it and say, "You know, we really don't understand why Lemon is still here. Maybe we should get rid of Lemon." And then the decision came out, and they said six three. Coach was right, but also 6-3, limit is no longer good law, which was one of the most harmful laws under religious freedom in the last 60 years. And the replacement test is going back to the history and tradition of the founding of the country to what did our founders intend for the First Amendment to, to mean? What was our religious freedom really looking like? So that case was huge because I want to tell people is you have more religious freedom today than you would have 60 years ago because of that case. That is significant. I remember reading about where Lemon, they taught about Lemon in the Constitutional Law class when I went to college. Yeah, that's a huge victory. Yeah, and so like you were saying, it's, it's law books are being rewritten, and the way that that's playing out is going to be huge for religious freedom and moving forward. So it's it's that was a huge case. You have uh, one more case in the Supreme Court now. They're winning a ruling. Yes, so we had a case um, called Groff. Um, Groff was a uh, very devout Christian. Um, did missionary missionary work overseas, came back and said, um, you know, one thing that's very important to me is I don't work on the Sabbath. Um, and so you're trying to think, okay, I don't want to work on a Sunday. Where should you work? Well, you would think the post office would be a good idea um, until they get taken over by Amazon. And then when Amazon starts using the post office to deliver, he was asked to deliver on Sunday, said, hey, I can't do that. Um, you know, I'll work any other day. I'll work Saturdays. I'll double, I'll do double shifts. I'll work holidays. I just can't work on Sundays. They said that was fine at first until, uh, until some things fell through and they, they said, well, just sacrifice a couple of your Sundays or come after church. They said, I can't do it. You know, I, I've made a covenant with God. I can't work on Sundays. And, um, he went through nine disciplinary hearings, was about to be fired and decided to resign, uh, instead of firing. And so the big, a couple of big things in this case is what happens to your rights uh, with your faith when you're in the workplace? Um, can an employer just say, oh, well, this is a slight inconvenience to me, so I'm going to fire you? Or um, do they have to have some actual stuff behind them? And so this case would be big for that. And it's also there was a really bad decision um, a few years back that kind of defined um, what is a burden to an employer uh, as being de minimis or basically just, you know, I think that's a really small burden. Uh, when it really says substantial burden. So um, kind of trying to fix the way the law was, but really protect the rights of people in the workplace to express their faith and, and live according to their faith if they have sincere beliefs. And that, that decision will come out in jail. All right. Well, how do you get involved? Yeah, I, I would say, you know, for people who want to get involved, great ways to start is to go to our website, firstliberty.org. Uh, there's videos on there. There's a newsletter you can sign up for. Um, just staying involved with the cases and what's going on. And really being active in your community and watching for things that are happening. And when people come under attack for their faith of just knowing that groups like us exist and um, there's a page on our website that says get legal help and people can submit requests for legal help. And that's what's going on. And really another way is getting the word out. And a lot of people don't know about us and don't know what's going on in the country. And so um, I'm actually in Sioux Falls right now, just trying to meet with more people and get the word out what we're doing. And so uh, you can connect with us on the website or, um, you can send us an email and we'd be happy to follow up and talk more if anyone has any questions and, um, yeah, they're doing a very important work. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate thank it. Thank you for coming. Absolutely. Thank you.